Well, you can head back to your seats. Um, so this morning, um, well, let me just step back. Usually when it comes to messages and just things that um, uh, we talk about on a Sunday, usually uh, I know like, okay, the next couple of weeks might look like this or this or this, and I have some ideas. Um, and then as I uh, usually go on a run, a longer run on a Monday, um, things clarify uh, for me. It's like, oh yeah, this week maybe, you know, we'll talk about, talk about this. Well, this past week I went for a, a run on Monday and I uh, thought, you know what, we're going to hop into uh, more uh, relational stuff and talk about uh, communication and the importance of what we say and our speech and all of that and uh, hop into James 3 and was working on that this week and giving some thought to that and, and all along just kind of felt this like, I don't know if that's right uh, for this week, but didn't know why. Um, and so I just kind of held that loosely, which I, I invite all of us just to hold things loosely and just to say, okay, God, where, where, where do you want me to go and uh, what do you want me to do? Well, I was going through my week, and uh, this uh, Thursday, past Thursday night, uh, about 7 o'clock-ish, um, I got a text message uh, from Todd Whiteman. And uh, Todd Whiteman uh, shared with me that Lisa, his wife, uh, was on the way to uh, Butterworth uh, up, in, up in Grand Rapids and um, shared with me some things. But uh, Lisa's daughters uh, are here, two of his daughters, um, Sophie and uh, Eva, um, are here. And I've asked them to share. Do you want to share all the information? I can fill in if you forget anything. But uh, they are going to share what happened uh, with their mom this week. Yeah, so our mom uh, had been struggling on and off with some bouts of having pretty bad headaches and some nausea. And our mom is a pretty tough woman, and she really brushed it off and didn't tell us about it right away at all. Still a little annoyed with her about that. Um, but, yeah, so it kind of reached a culmination this past week where at the beginning of the week, we weren't sure if it was a bug or something, but she was down pretty bad. And we tried to get her into the doctor, and we brought her to urgent care. And they were like, all of these things kind of seem unrelated, so we're just going to send you home, give you these meds. If it persists, seek more attention. Um, bringing us to Thursday. She called our grandmother while we were all at school or at work or whatever. We were all occupied, and my dad was still out in D.C. at that time. Um, so she called my grandma to take her to the ER in Holland. Uh, at Holland Hospital, they did a CT scan of her head and found lesions in her brain um, that they believed to be cancerous. And at that point, they transferred her to Spectrum NGR and did more scans and found lesions and masses in her brain and in her lungs, um, one of which is about the size of a golf ball sitting in her occipital lobe. Um, so they're going to do a biopsy Monday, um, and we'll get results by Friday of next week? Wednesday. Treatment plan by Friday. Yes, they believe it. She um, had a spot of melanoma on her back a couple years back. Um, and so they believe the lesions and the masses to be that as well. So, yeah, she's still up there. She'll be up there for the next week is what it's looking like. But biopsy tomorrow results pretty shortly thereafter. And, yeah. Thanks for sharing, Sophie and Eva. Um, they have been rock stars in the midst of this, talking with them the last couple of days and uh, caring for their mom and, and dad so well. And 
um, you get you get that news, and you walk through, and you're in the midst of this, and still in shock, like God, what's going on? And there, Lisa is up in Grand Rapids in a hospital, um, awaiting further further information. Um, but yesterday I saw Lisa, and um, just to see her faith being so strong, um, taking it one minute at a time. Um, she's not a big emotional person, um, but just her faith, just so rock solid and just saying, okay, my, um, my feet are firmly planted on Jesus. And, um, you know, I, you th- I think about, you know, Lisa and what she's going through, and it brings back, you know, memories in different, uh, different situations that uh, we as a body have walked through. I see of Nancy right behind um, and walking with you and Jeff and praying and crying out. And just over a year ago, he went home to be with Jesus and he's face to face and, and he's not suffering. He's, he's loving it. He's face to face with Jesus, but there's this hole, you know, in our hearts and we grieve. Um, and I look at Mike and Gruppen and uh, what uh, he's walked through with his sister and his dad and then the boobies, you know, just right in front. And with Andrew, and the, the times that we have cried out and say, God, move like, you know, we believe that you're a God that heals. We believe that you answer prayers. You can move in miraculous ways. We sing about it, and we cry out, and answers um, turn out differently than we'd hoped. And Barry's over here, and um, just a couple years ago, his, his wife goes to be with Jesus. And, you know, in these times, I'm like, how are we as followers of Jesus supposed to process these times? How are we supposed to, to think about this? And I was brought to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1. And if you have your Bibles, turn, turn there. Um, uh, 2 Corinthians 1. I'm going to start at verse 3. And it says this, and, and we're going to pray uh, for Lisa in just a couple minutes. Um, Paul writes this in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. That's who God is. He's a God of all comfort. He, he comforts those who are grieving. He comforts those who are going through difficulty. That is who He is, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. Paul goes on to say in verse 8, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us. On Him we have set our hope that He will deliver us again. I love that passage, and as I was reading, just that that word came over and over again. It came up numerous times, comfort. God is a God of all comfort, and He comforts us. Uh, Jesus comforts us, but He also comforts us so that we can comfort one another. 
And it's also at during times like this when all of our world seems to be shaken and we're like, God, what's going on? It's at these times when He brings us to this place where we don't rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And I love how Paul says this. He says, on Him we have set our hope. On the one who is strong, the one who is secure, the one who has always been, on Him we set our hope. This week I was meeting with uh, someone we all know, and I won't mention their names, but uh, they were talking about uh, what happens in the midst of affliction, what happens in the midst of suffering. And this person says, we know why we go through it. And he turned to 1 Peter 1, and he said, we go through this, and it says in verse 6 that, that in Jesus we rejoice, in salvation we rejoice. Even though we will endure trials, they will show that your faith is genuine. And this gentleman was like, this is why we go through trials and suffering. And he was saying it to me as we were sitting in a restaurant where two booths over was someone who had done something seriously hurtful in this man's life. And he goes, we go through trials so that our faith is tested and becomes genuine. And as I look at, at, at Leeson and Todd and the kids, and I think about what they're, what they're going through, their faith, their hope, Lisa's hope and faith is in Jesus. That her both feet are like firmly planted on the rock of Jesus, and their faith is genuine. And yesterday we were reading Psalm 84, and it says, Blessed are those who dwell in your house, singing your praises. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. Blessed are those who trust in you. You know, in the midst of this, they're sitting there saying, you know what? Our faith, our joy, deep sense of joy is there, and it's coming directly from God. And so we're going to pray. If you're gathered around, if you're close to them, I want you to lay a hand on them. Jesus also healed from a distance, so we're also going to be praying Lisa, for Lisa at this time. And yes, the doctors have their thoughts and ideas about what's going on, but we know the great physician. We know the one who heals. And I know as I reflect on the past, I wish more people would have been healed, um, but we're going to keep praying, and we're going to keep asking, and we're going to keep begging God, um, and we're going to ask that He moves in a powerful way in Lisa's body right now. And so, Father... Um, I thank you that our hope is in you. I thank you that we can, can come to you today in the midst of this storm, in the midst of, you know, as the waves are crashing, as there's just chaos all around. God, I thank you that we come to the one who walks on those waves. Jesus, we're coming to you, the great physician, the great healer, the one who is all-powerful, and we are asking in your name, Jesus, for that cancer or whatever they think is cancer, to go in Jesus' name. For those lesions, for those masses, to go right now in Jesus' name. That, that you would fill her body with life and breath. That those cells, those um, lesions, those masses that have clumped together, that they would dissolve right now. That they would go away in Jesus' name. That they would be gone. That strength would rise up in Lisa. That energy would rise up. God, that there would be just a, a supernatural miracle that as she goes for more tests this week, that they would look and they would see clear scans. They would see things changing. We believe, we know that you have the power to do that. And so we are asking for that to happen in Jesus' name. And Father, I'm also asking, because you do this so well, uh, you hold people in the palm of your hand. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we are not alone. You are with us. And so I'm asking that your presence would fill Lisa and Todd and Hannah, 
and Sophie and Noah and Eva. Father, that your presence would just fill them in a powerful way. I thank you for these strong young women that are with us today. I thank you for the ways that they are walking just boldly with you in the midst of this season. But I ask that your presence would fill them. I ask for just encouragement to flood into their souls. I ask for that room up in Grand Rapids just to be so filled with your presence. We love you, Father. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. I want to um, encourage you and ask you to write a note wherever you, uh, you will see it often and throughout this week. And I ask that you pray specific prayers uh, for Lisa and Todd all throughout the week. Um, I picked up a card uh, yesterday and, and brought it up to them, and it was the dumbest card ever. It just said, um, on the front, it said, thinking of you. And then in the midst, it said, sending positive uh, uh, thoughts and vibes. And I crossed it out, and I said, That's not what, that doesn't work. Um, and I said, we're sending you a ton of prayers. Uh, specific prayers. So I'm asking for specific prayers for Todd and Lisa uh, this week and for the the kids this week. Um, Turn to James chapter 4. I want to read a couple verses, look at one story. And just as I've been reflecting on this, um, just kind of going in a different direction, I think we'll talk about relationships and uh, communication next Sunday. Um, But James 4 says this, Verse 13, come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Again, come now, James says, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Our life is a vapor. Our life is a a mist. Like, our life goes by so quickly. I mean, just yesterday, I, I was 20 years old. And now I'm not 20 years old. And I look at many of you, and just yesterday, you guys were 20, and now you're not 20. Life goes by just like that. And I think of Lisa and going to, she went to work on Thursday morning. Like, that's absolutely crazy. That just shows how strong she is. She has such a high uh, pain tolerance. And she goes to work on Thursday morning, and by Thursday night, she's in the ER room going, undergoing an MRI. Like, life can change just like that. And as I was thinking about this whole situation, it just really hit me. Like, what are we doing with our life? You and I have been given one life. And Scripture is absolutely clear that it goes like that. It's a mist. It's a vapor. It's like the morning fog here for a little bit and then absolutely gone. What are you doing with the one life that you've been given? I look at this room and there are so many gifts and abilities and so many people's hearts who, have, who are surrendered to King Jesus. And I just want to always bring this question back to our, the forefront of our minds. What are we doing with our life? How are we living our lives wholeheartedly for the gospel of Jesus Christ? Flip over to Mark chapter 10. I'm always struck by this young man's example, his life struck in a, a negative way, wanting to be the, the complete opposite. Mark 10, verse 17. 
says, as he was setting out, speaking of Jesus, on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I want you to get that picture. Here's a young man. We know from from Matthew that he was uh, young, uh, uh, and we know from Luke that he was wealthy. He had a lot of possessions. And so you can see that this young man was super excited. He heard about Jesus, I'm sure, and then he saw Jesus, and he runs up to him in excitement, and he says, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus responded. He said uh, in verse 18, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And this young man said to him, teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, I love that picture of Jesus. Jesus was about to say something very um, difficult for this man to hear, challenging for this man to hear, young man to hear. But what is the posture of Jesus' heart? It's just as Jesus loved him, loved him deeply, felt in his, his gut this deep compassion for this young man, wanted so much more for this young man. And so out of love, challenged him. He said this to him. He said, you lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have, and give to the poor. You will have treasure in heaven and then come follow me. What was Jesus inviting this young man into? He said, go sell all your possessions, sell, you know, what you have, sell those things that you're clinging onto, get rid of it, and come follow me. This young man was being invited into a relationship with Jesus. He was face-to-face with Jesus, being invited into this lifestyle of walking with Jesus moment by moment, day by day. Like, that is absolutely amazing. Like, here he is face to face. Hey, come follow me. I know you have a lot, but I have more. Like, come follow me. Jesus invites us all the time into a relationship with him. That is what it's about. It is not, we are not about religion. This is, Christianity is not about religion. We have a relationship with the God of the universe through his son, Jesus, Listen to a, a talk this week, um, and the guy said, God is a being to have a relationship with. This is not a religion. We can interact with the King of kings and Lord of lords. Like, we can never forget that. We are in a relationship. We can talk to him. We can listen to him. We can be directed by him. This is what Jesus was inviting this young man into. And then it says this, and this always breaks my heart. In verse 22, it says, Dishearted. By the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Dishearted. The one who ran up to Jesus super excitedly, all of a sudden leaves broken and crushed. Why? Because Jesus was asking him to let go of his possessions. And here this young man valued his possessions more than he did a relationship with Jesus. He was worshiping his stuff more than he was willing to worship his Savior. And every time I read that story, I think, what is preventing you and I from following Jesus wholeheartedly? Is there something in our lives that we are worshiping, that we are hanging on to more than we're hanging on to Jesus? 
Are we giving Jesus our full heart in our lives? He invites us to give it all to him, but are we worshiping? Are we, do we have idols in our lives, things that we're clinging to, holding on to so tightly, it's preventing us from walking in relationship with Jesus day by day? Are you holding on to comfort in your life? Are you holding on to, you know, your time? And you know what? Jesus, I just, I just, I just value my time. I don't want to, to give up this or that. I just value my time. I'm not willing to let it go. Or, you know what? I have a pretty comfortable life, and I'm pretty, pretty good here. And I know you might be inviting me into more, but ah, that's just too great of a step. Maybe for you it is possessions. Maybe it is um, money. And you're like, you know what? I value and I'm worshiping stuff more than I am my Savior. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe there's an addiction in your life. Maybe, um, maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's TV. Maybe it's, you know, whatever. You name it. Is there an addiction in your life that is preventing you from following Jesus wholeheartedly? Stuff comes into our lives all the time that we cling on to more tightly than we cling on to Jesus. And I'm reminded of Hebrews 12 where it says, um, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, cheering us on, let us run this race, this race of endurance, not letting anything weigh us down or sin to trip us up. And I love that. I think of even Lisa, who's a runner. You know, and she ran, she ran and she is running. She is still running or believing. She's running so well, investing in kids, following Jesus. Are we running well or are we trying to run with, you know, just weights on our shoulders that doesn't need to be there? This past week or so, there was uh, an event, and we shared about it um, up in Grand Rapids called The Send. And uh, there was a, The Send is actually coming in uh, September 2 up at Van Andor Arena. And the whole purpose and desire of The Send is to mobilize a next generation to go to their neighborhoods and to the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's to unify the body of Christ around the mission of Christ to go and proclaim the gospel. And it was just a powerful time up uh, a couple Thursdays ago up, up at uh, Grand Rapids first as we just worshiped and we um, just were prayed for this area. And one of the leaders of the Send, his name is Andy Bird, he was sharing about what uh, was happening with the Send. And the Send uh, started numerous uh, years ago, and uh, their desire was to, like I said, to uh, mobilize the next generation to carry the gospel to the world. And they've had events in Kansas City, um, in Brazil. They, um, they thought, hey, let's just come together and worship and invite people into the Great Commission. And in Brazil, they sold out a huge stadium in just a number of hours. And they're like, wow, let's uh, get another stadium. And so they got uh, three stadiums. And in Brazil, they said that uh, it was the fastest three stadiums have ever sold out. Um, they beat the, the previous record. And they were asking, like, who held the previous record? And it was uh, U2 and Coldplay uh, held the record before that. And it's like, sweet, the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, beat those, uh, those records. And so um, they were sharing about these previous events. And then he shared about the event that they had in Norway in uh, 2022. And when they went to Norway, they were kind of surprised because they got there and they found uh, quite the opposition from the church in Norway. 
And they were writing articles and uh, putting things out in the media about the sin that was coming to Norway. And here was their critique that the church, some, some people in Norway, was critical of the sin in this way. They said they're calling, we're concerned because they're calling young people into a radical form of Christianity, giving up their lives wholeheartedly for the gospel. That's what was being written. And they're like, we are concerned about that. Well, Andy Bird said, like, the problem when they heard these concerns was that they couldn't argue against them. They're like, that's exactly what we're calling people into. That's what, exactly what we want. We want young people to give their lives fully for the gospel. And so keep printing it. Keep doing it. And so then on uh, June 25, 2022, 9,000 people gathered in Norway. It was uh, one of the largest Christian gatherings in Norway where young people were inspired, were motivated to carry the gospel uh, to the nations. And they've seen uh, miracles happen. They've seen numerous young people rise up and say, here I am, I will go. Um, at the end of the send, they raised up their shoes and they said, I'm willing to go wherever God is sending me to carry the gospel to the nations. I think of that. And I think of our lives, like, are we willing to do the same? Are we willing to say, like, in the life that we have, the short life that we have that's here today and gone tomorrow, are we saying, here I am, Lord, send me wherever? You know, what does this mean for us at Restoration Church, for us in this room? I go back a couple weeks, and I was having a conversation with Eric Hort, a men's group. We were in uh, an office here, and he said something, and probably, I don't even know if you remember what you said, but you said something, and it has stuck with me. He said this, he said, we're not playing here. We're not playing in regards to following Jesus. We are serious about following Jesus. We're not just playing church. And today, as I stand up here and call it a midlife crisis, call it a renewal, call it revival or whatever, in my heart, I'm like, I don't want us to play. And I'm not saying we have been. I don't want us to play church. I don't want us just to go through the motions. I look at us in this room and God has called us to say, here I am. Send me. I'm willing to go and proclaim the hope of Jesus to a lost and dying world. I'm here. I'm willing to go and proclaim the hope of Jesus Christ to my neighbors and to the nations. You know, we look at this world and it is so broken. There's so much emptiness. So many people are trying to grab this or that, trying to find hope, and they're, they're, they're grabbing it and they're just taking a big whiff. And the only one that will give them hope and give them any sense of peace and comfort is Jesus and Jesus alone. And we who have experienced it, who know that, who have receive the comfort from that, need to go and comfort others and proclaim that. And I just wonder, as I look at my life and our lives, are we playing it too safe? Are we allowing things to prevent us from stepping in and following Jesus wholeheartedly? Now, I know that looks different for each person. Each person here, some are called just to love their neighbors really well. Some have been called to go across seas to Africa. It's going to look different. But are our lives fully surrendered to King Jesus? I don't want anything to hold us back. I don't want anything to hold you back. Just what I've been praying for Tyler. I want us to have life and have it abundantly. And the way that you do that is to follow and be obedient to the mission and call that Jesus has for all of our lives, not just for me, but for all of us. And that's to go share the gospel of Jesus with people. I want you to bow your heads. And Tyler and the team are going to come up. And I want you to 
to really think through that question. Is there anything that's holding you back, preventing you, something that you're holding on to from following Jesus wholeheartedly? And as things come up, I know it's the Holy Spirit who's knocking on the door of our hearts and saying, I have more for you. And I know as, as we think of things, we come up with questions. Well, yeah, what about this? Or what about that? And obstacles get in the way. And I'm just reminded of God who's always just invited his people to follow him one step at a time. Not to have the whole picture before they take one step. Is there a sin that has your heart? Is there a sin that just grips your heart? I would plead with you, I'd beg with you, invite you to find life through confession and repentance and the amazing grace of our Father. And as you turn back to him, you'll see him running to you and saying, hey, I love you. I have more for you. Ephesians 2.10 says, we are a workmanship of God, a masterpiece, recreated in Christ Jesus, a new creation for what reason? Recreated for good works. Let's not play it safe. Jesus, you have run towards us. You have given us life. Forgive us for the times when we settle for less than the life that you have for us. When we give our heart to the things of this world, when we don't come running after you, when we don't obediently follow you wherever and whenever you call us. Jesus, may we be constantly saying to you, here I am, send me. Here I am, I'm fully yours. I want to live all for your glory. I thank you for the life that you've given us. And the only way to say thank you, thank you to the love that you've poured out in our lives is just to say love so amazing so divine demands our life our soul our all the Holy Spirit continue to show us steps you want us to take where you want us to go things that we need to drop all for your glory it's in your name I pray amen let's stand together